Other thing is pigs destroy things. Absolutely. Just tear them up. Um, so if you're going to build anything out of wood, we use hedge or oak for everything. You can use walnut, but it's even pricier right now. But um, benefits of those three woods are they're very hard and they're also bitter to, to the taste. Um, mm. So don't like to eat them because when they chew on things, they taste them. And if it's bitter, they won't eat it. That's so um, weird. You can feed them all sorts of vegetables. Uh, they won't eat garlic or jalapenos or habaneros. Um, really? Yeah, they'll just I crunch. A pig like ate everything pretty much. No, not those. They're too spicy. We've chucked them in there, garlic? and they'll just yeah. Huh. Have you tried eating raw, raw garlic? It's it's got a kick. That's true. It does have a kick, but, but I'm not they'll just either. like crunch it and then drop it and stare at you like, "What are you feeding?" <laughs> Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a house and a homestead, thinking this was the life. All that there'd be After our firstborn You had to stay home That's when the work Got in the way for me Well I started Farm hop life You'll come to your farm To help and to wander Me and the family A truck and an RV Send us a message and there will be. This is the Farm Hop Life Podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRozier. Tonight, my guest is Keenan Todd, part owner of Acorn Bluff Farms in Iowa. They raise purebred mangalitsas, selling direct to consumer and helping others get started. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Podcast yeah. number two for me. Number two. What was your first? Uh, Meat Mafia. Meat Mafia. I'll have to go back and listen to that one. Um, we actually had a bottle piglet at that time, so they got to be introduced to Penelope sitting in my lap, drinking from a bottle. No such luck tonight, though. <laughs> That's funny. Just bring in a boar. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dang it. We got we to one-up. We got to one-up the, uh, the previous podcast. Boar in the house is not going to happen. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, well, so your so your house. I know this is not part of the questions whatsoever. Your no. house is that right on the farm? Then, well, I farm with my brother, so my house is actually in town. Um, okay, it is down the street from the house I grew up in. Oh, cool. um, but my brother's house is where the pigs are at. Gotcha. Okay. Well, he's he's. It would be um, if I could cut across the bluff. If there was a road. Um, I could drive there in about four minutes as it takes me about 15 drive around and get all the way out there. It's a gotcha. More like 10, but yeah, it's pretty short as the crow flies, but actually good distance around because our town is built on the bluff. So it's a bunch of fingers and every, every there's like two square blocks in the whole town. So, oh, wow. Yeah. It's very, very small. What's the population then? Like oh, 75? 19, <laughs> 1900. 1900. Just no squares. Gotcha. That's perfect. It's very perfect. nice. Do you do you like the setup that you're in town and he's at the farm, or would you rather be also on the farm or at least closer? I mean, it works out because he does chores more than I do. That's kind of <laughs> what I'm thinking. Yeah. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, we would love to be out and have some more land around us, but uh, not economically feasible at the moment. Uh, he has, we work with what we've got, make it happen and um, hope to build from there. So yeah. Right. Long-term. Um, my parents actually have almost like perfect setup for them. They actually live in town, but have their house surrounded by cattle pasture that they own. So they run cows and live in town and the cows are actually bordering the school playground. <laughs> so, you know, if you're out checking cows, you have to pick up some balls and chuck them back over the fence. So the kids have some kickballs and basketballs and stuff to play with. <laughs> you ever catch the cows playing with the basketballs? Some of them are flat and I assume that's where it comes from. <laughs> Big old hoof print cow pie mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. That's so. funny. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get into your, a little bit more about your property in a little bit, but let's talk about how you got started in farming. Like why, like, how'd you get there? Why, and I'll, why pigs? So, so this is a decently long story actually. So, um, historically our family was farmers. My grandparents grew up on farms, but then moved into town. Um, and my dad's a veterinarian. So I grew up in town as well. He bought, two cows to practice artificial insemination and embryo transfer on when I was in like first grade. Um, and he didn't really sell them. He just kept acquiring a few more. Um, so right now we run about 50 cows. Uh, but when I was in college, my brother had just graduated and um, we're looking to kind of do our own thing, branch out a little bit. And he texted me and was like, Hey, you want to get pigs? So I was like, sure, let's get pigs. But, um, having small acreage, uh, I was in actually in, in central Iowa in Ames, not even at home. And he was going to be doing most of the work, but, um, I mean, together while we're, while I was back for the summer and we, uh, decided we were going to buy some. So, um, that point we're like, well, we got to do something a little different cause we can only raise, you know, so many pigs. Um, so he started doing a bunch of research on different breeds and came up with a couple different ones that were different from what people are normally getting to see if we could find something to separate ourselves. But also uh, we just personally uh, wanted something that tasted really good. Um, so we, we narrowed it down to Mulefoot or Manglitsa. And Mulefoot are interesting because they actually don't have a cloven hoof. Hmm. It's like, oh. um, but the intriguing part was Back when Iowa was a little less settled, what they would do is they would take all these mule foots, drive them out to the islands in the Mississippi, let them loose in the spring, and then just show up in the fall to pick them up. And they were highly prized for their hams because they would apparently super, super good hams. Still haven't eaten one. But uh, we found some mangalitsa. We didn't find any mule foot, so hence we went with the mangalitsa. And we bought some and raised them out and fed them. And I was like, dang, that is the best pork I've ever tasted in my life. This is what we're doing. So I have had it once, uh, and it is very, very good. I, I don't know why, maybe, uh, the guy that I know him through, he's like, no, I'm keeping all this pork for myself. Like I am not giving you this guy's number, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I've had it once and it, it is like just amazing quality. Like the red, red kind of pork, not the it's white kind of pork. Yep. Yes. And I, I don't eat the other kind now. I can't, can't blame you at all. Why would you? You have no reason to. Every once in a while, we'll buy some from the store just to like do a promotion or something and take pictures of it right next to our pork. Sure. And I feel bad 
because like I'm like I paid for this. It's food, and I cook it, and then I like start eating it. I'm like, mm, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> like like bland chicken compared to I don't know something else. Yeah, it's it's actually. I mean, sometimes it, the the difficult part is explaining to someone who's never had it what it tastes like. It's like we sell at a farmer's market, and they're like, so what's it taste like compared to normal pork? And what we actually settled on was like, so you know the difference between beef and Wagyu beef? It's like that and pork, but ours is almost more like beef, which sounds <laughs> and incredibly hard to understand. But I'm like, I don't know how to explain this to you without you just trying it. That's yeah, that'd be that'd be a tough one. Uh, I do get the the Wagyu analogy. That that's pretty good. You could you could say like, you know how pork tastes? Yeah. Okay, now make it ten times better, and that's what we got. <laughs> it is. This is how it's supposed to taste. Sometimes the texture, like on the ground pork, it's not. There's no chewiness to it, so it's like almost an entirely different thing because you're like, I'm used to a little dry, I'm used to a little chewy, and then you bite into this, and there's no dryness and there's no chewiness, and you're like, all these things that I thought you know made something a pork burger aren't here, but it's a pork burger and it's delicious. So yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember the cut specifically that I had of the mangalitsa, but I did like some sort of like oven roasted glaze thingy with it. And um, I don't, again, I'd, I'd have to look it up with whatever recipe, but it was just like, it was like candy. Um, my wife's not like a big ham person. I ate it for every meal three days in a row and then it was gone. That's fantastic. Yeah. Breakfast, uh, lunch, and dinner. Gone. I, we, I made a ham for Thanksgiving. And um, yeah, people are like, I don't like pork, but I, I like this. This is fantastic. So. Turns yeah. out you just like good pork. Yes. Yep. We can all have, we can all have taste buds fit for royalty around here. That's just. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You come through, so, I'll make you some. I love that. I love that. Uh, we might, we might hit you up on that. Um just so roughly know. thinking about the itinerary, uh, I'd love to I'd to stop by and come visit. That'd be sweet. What motivates you to grow your own food and food for others? It's, uh, I don't know that I can completely explain it just because, I mean, you read the, the, the people writing about stuff like that, that are, uh, are popular, like Wendell Berry, and, and you read it and you're like, that makes sense. Or you read some like Roger Scruton on hunting and you're like, that makes sense. Like it's, it's good. The meat's good. The lifestyle's good. You, it tastes better, not only because it's higher quality, but because you know where it came from, but also you put effort and labor into it. It's not just a meal anymore, something that you're consuming for calories. It's increases your desire to make like actually cook it well because you're like i put a lot of labor and a lot of time into this i've got to give it its full due i'm not gonna right. you know spend two years raising this hog and then take these pork chops out and overcook them because i was being lazy i'm like no right. you spent two years getting this to a pork chop i can spend 15 minutes with a meat thermometer to make it actually the right temperature right right that's a small price to pay but it actually makes you buy in. I mean, especially with ours being two years old before they're butchered, it makes you buy into every single detail. You're like, if I'm going to have this pork chop, that's like 
you know, if you, if you try and buy it at a restaurant, like 20, $30 a pound, and then I'm going to serve it with these little tomatoes from Florida that were shipped in a truck and ripened in there and tastes like water. Like, no, right. if one thing's good, everything that goes along with it better be in, I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Um, has, has, uh, you know, raising high quality pork and like basically like babying it as you're cooking it. Has that like made you a better cook or like a better chef as well? So like you've got all these awesome recipes. But yeah, I love, I love cooking. I, I mean, if, if we have a free night, we basically spend at least 45 minutes to an hour cooking, whether that's one dish that takes a long time or, I mean, tonight we just made bruschetta and then made homemade tomato sauce spaghetti we've attempted to make homemade pasta we're not very good at it yet um but it's like no it's it's good it's fruitful it's a good way to spend your time right yes Um, so we absolutely love it and yeah i would agree i mean there are still times where i'm like yeah let's fry scramble two eggs and throw a can of sardines in there and call it lunch but uh if i have the time i'm not doing that scrambled eggs and sardines huh yeah i have a couple weird ones like that you can throw a little rice in too um also um works with potatoes like southern hash browns and scrambled Mm -hmm. eggs and sardines i I, I don't know if i've had a sardine so i'm like i just think about it just like it just like salty little fish yes basically okay i'm not opposed to it i just haven't had it for like three months for lunch. Absolutely delicious. <laughs> Super nutritious. I would actually rotate that. Sorry. I would rotate that with a chorizo egg and, and like desk hash browns, like one than the other. Um, the chorizo and the eggs turns actually a strange orange color. Um, so you better be able to stomach that. Um, but other than that. Yeah, I can see that. Chorizo is very red. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see that for sure. Yeah. And it leaks into the potatoes and the eggs. So but yeah, we love cooking with it. I have def. I, the other thing is like, I love food. So I have lots of things that I would like to try. I just have very little time to try all these things. Like we would love to have a uh, curing chamber. We would love to be able to, to mm. process our own hog for ourselves and salt it and try and make some hamon. But I don't have the time nor the resources currently. I have the pigs, which is a very important part but I don't have the curing chamber or any of the knowledge necessary to make that. But I would love to, that would be awesome. Um, what did you call it? Hamon? Yeah. The Spanish, Spanish hams. Oh, okay. Um, you have any idea like what a curing chamber would cost to build? Yes. Um, well you can buy them for 5,000, but you can build your own by basically taking an old deep freeze and then putting together a contraption with a, with an exhaust fan, a thermometer, um, which will run the exhaust fan depending on your humidity levels and your temp and your thermometer. Um, and then you, you typically also put, uh, depending on if you're dry or wet, um, put a little dehumidifier or humidifier in the bottom, um, Hmm. keep your humidity and your temperature constant. Um, but like I said, I, uh, we have not a lot of time right now. Right. Um, also have a couple uh homemade kilns for drying wood um that i also have woodworking tools that have not put to use 
because of time. So, you know, one thing at a time. That one hits close to home. Yep. Yes. And we are working on the pigs right now. Everything else can wait because we're working on the pigs. If you, uh, if I show up and you have all the parts for the, uh, for the curing chamber, I'll make it for you. Fantastic. (laughs) We'll, uh, we'll make that trade. I'll I'll be a fun project. I'll just cook you some pork chops and and smoke shoulder and you'll be well fed. Now you talked about that mangalitsa tasting like candy. Like when we smoke shoulders, put like a tablespoon of salt in or brown sugar for like a four pound roast, just like absolute candy caramelizes in there with all that fat. And it's, it's, I eat one sandwich and I'm done. I can't go back for seconds because it's so rich. Dang. It's good. Dang. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to exchange some recipes or something like that. It's oh, like yeah. like just super simple stuff. Like honestly, dude, it's like three things and you're done. Um, that that's my kind of recipe. Like I, as soon as there gets to be like five things, I'm like, uh, like I'll I'll want to try to make it because like oh you know this looks really good and mm-hmm. uh, I'll I'll be like this is too many things like yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> My go-to on the pork chops is actually salt pepper. So, you know. That's that's only two things. I like that. There you go. There you go. So, for your mangalitsas, mm-hmm. do you have, like, any math methods, practices, or, like, techniques for, like, managing them? Um, let's, let's hear about that. Yeah, so uh, still learning about that. We're figuring things out as we go. Um, definitely, if you're going to raise pigs, go with a um, solid external fence. Um, we, we run some hot wire and run some pigs on that. But uh, solid external is always good because uh, we've chased some pigs out of cornfields and out of cow pastures. Um, not a fun thing. Um, imagine seven 400-pounders running through a cornfield. Um and me running, attempting to run ahead of them. Right. It would have been quite comical if you were watching. It was not fun to be in. Um, so we can run them on hot wire, but they have to train them to them because when a pig gets shocked, its first instinct is actually to jump forward. Um, so, oh. yeah, you actually want to run the hot wire inside a solid fence. And that way, they, if they like jump, they'll jump into the fence and be like, oh no, can't go anywhere. And they'll, they'll figure it out and associate. They'll also learn where the electric is. And then, um, so long as it stays hot, they'll be very hesitant to cross where it's at because they know now, as soon as they figure out it's not hot enough, they're going to destroy the entire thing and have absolutely no respect for it. Right. So, I mean, it's not like a cow, like a cow, if it's been on the same pasture rotated its whole life and it knows where the fences are, it sees that white fence and it's going to stay away from it. Now the pigs are going to test it. And every time they find it's not working, they're just going to try and destroy it. Um, other thing is pigs destroy things. Absolutely. Just tear them up. Um, so if you're going to build anything out of wood, we use hedge or oak for everything. You can use walnut, but it's even pricier right now. But um, benefits of those three woods are they're very hard and they're also bitter to, to the taste. Um, mm. So don't like to eat them because when they chew on things, they taste them. And if it's bitter, they won't eat it. That's um, so weird. You can feed them all sorts of vegetables. Uh, they won't eat garlic or jalapenos or habaneros. Um, really? Yeah, they'll just I crunch. A pig like ate everything pretty much. No, not those. They're too spicy. We've chucked them in there, garlic? and they'll just yeah. Huh. Have you tried eating raw garlic? It's it's got a kick. 
That's true. It does have a kick, but I'm not they'll just like crunch it and then drop it and stare at you like, "What are you feeding?" (laughs) And it it will stay in there until it, you know, gets ground up. Whereas like a pumpkin, they love it. Gourds, they love it. Anything you can't feed them too much processed food, any breads, carbs, um, buns, things like that. It'll actually uh, make the meat less firm. It'll make it soggy almost. Same with the weird. Yeah. Also want to stay away from too many walnuts. It'll make the the tannins, the bitterness will carry through to the meat if you give them too many. So I thought, um, I guess a couple of questions being in the, like I thought pigs like in Spain, like because like they're so pricey, they spend their like entire life, like in walnut forests. Like that's how they eat. Like I thought that they What's that? Acorn forest. Acorns. Okay. Okay. It has tannins, but it gives the meat a much rich, nuttier flavor. And actually, Indians used to take acorns and make acorn flour out of them. Mm. Um, you would not want to do the same with walnuts. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, they love acorns. We go, we actually go around town and pick them all up in the fall. Every last acorn we can get our hands on, and uh, pigs absolutely love them. Dang. That's pretty, that's we, pretty sweet. Yeah, we have we have been planting oak trees out there. Uh, we when we purchased the farm, there were a bunch of oak trees, but it uh, a blight came through and killed most of them. They were all Dang. like two hundred years old, like oh, bummer. Um, so we just had it logged to get them out before they just rotted and fell over. Mm. Um, and then we kept a few of the younger ones that hadn't been killed, and then we we've been planting some more new ones every year. So we are five years away from having our own acorns from our own trees that we've planted, but seven years before the acorns will, or the oak trees will carry nuts. At least um, you got started already instead of, I got to plant some oaks. I got to plant some oaks. And then you never plant oaks. And then 20 years later, you started planting oaks. Um, Oaks and hickories is what we've planted. So and uh, also be careful of walnuts. Walnuts actually mess with the, I think it's the acidity of the soil. So like, or something like that. So if you plant oak or a walnut and you plant a tomato next to it, tomato won't produce because sure. of what walnut has done to the soil. And it will do the same thing to other trees. Like if the walnut's well-established, they'll choke out other trees via the same whatever. I think so, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you plant. How many, how many oak trees have you planted so far? Well, we planted 13 two years ago when we first planted, but there's still a couple in my brother's yard. So there are literally 10,000 of them that come up every year. And we just pick a few that look good and mow around them until they're two years old. And now we're in the process of transplanting those. So gotcha. uh, there's at least 100 of those that we need to transplant this. Nice. Probably like 50 this year and like 50 next year. Um, but again, that's at least two days work. So two days work. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So we got to plant some, the transplant some trees. Um, and then I think at this point we're going to wait till, um, spring because they're close. They're not going dormant yet, but we don't want to plant them now. We want to wait till they go dormant. And then in the spring, right before they're waking up, we'll move them. And so they'll wake up spot rather than trying to put down roots and then cutting the roots. Right, right. Um, you talked about feeding pigs like bread and garlic and stuff. 
what's the temperament of the Mangalitsas? Like, can you even like go up to them to like hand feed them or are they going to take your finger off? Depends on the pig. There is one that will eat you. Um, she <laughs> has never been friendly. Her sister was less friendly. Um, but our boars are super chill. They'll just sit there and laugh yeah. with back scratches. Um, my wife has most of them trained. Um, when she shows up, they all come running cause they know she's going to feed them. Um, she just goes around and picks clover and stuff from the surrounding, you know, grass and just chucks it over the fence for them. So they all come running cause they know that she's going to throw them the good stuff. Um, but if you get in there, they're very inquisitive. They're going to come over and, uh, try and nibble on your shoes, figure out what you are. Um, they'll, they'll tame down pretty quickly. Um, we've got it now that we don't quite interact with them enough to tame them all down, um, like that. But that one sow is, you don't get in that pen without a panel to protect yourself while she has pigs, um, while she has piglets. Cause she will just try and take you. Wow. She'll be chomping her teeth. If you're on the other side of the fence. Uh, that sounds like you found that out the hard way. Uh, well, the second time we weaned them, my brother and I were in there, um, and we got all the pig piglets trapped in a corner. I had the panel covered and my brother was behind me. My understanding was that he was going to keep the sow away from me. His understanding was he was getting the heck out of there. Um, <laughs> so then we let the piglets go. Cause I jumped out of there too. Um, cause I saw her coming and saw him jump the fence and I was like, well, I'm going with them if you're not going to protect me. Right. So uh, we had to, you know, refinagle that one. But yeah, she's uh, she's very aggressive. Um, of the three colors of Mangalitsa, we found the swallow bellies are slightly more docile because they're also slightly fatter their whole lives. Hmm. Um, slightly more chill than the blondes. The reds and the blondes are pretty equal from what we've seen. So there's Mangalitsas and then there's three different kind of Mangalitsas? Yeah, there's three colors. I've never heard that before. Okay. So originally there was a blonde and a black. Um, the blonde and the black interbred to create a swallow belly, which is black on top, blonde on the belly. The mm. black is now extinct. So then we have blondes and we have swallow bellies, but then the blonde also was mixed with a different breed of red European breed that became a distinct red mangalitsa. So they are all related, but if you go look at like fat profiles on them, they're actually like a few percentage points different, um, consistently between the three colors. Hmm. All three much more fatty than the other, you know, other breeds of pigs, and they're their own category. But the the true purists are actually going to want to keep your color lines pure and not cross them because they do have slightly different genetics. And I believe there is actually another kind, like a gray brown one, that's also extinct. Mm. I just heard about that one for the last first time a few weeks ago, and I have not had time to do any research on that. Hmm. And again, this research is mostly um, finding people that have done their own research, talking to people, right? writing stuff up. I mean, it's hard to do any direct stuff without going over and just talking to people. Right. Right. That's it. Man, that's weird. Um, kind of a bummer about that black one. Yeah. I don't know. So actually, here's the other thing is... Um, their genetics are essentially unchanged since the 1800s, but at one point in like the 30s and 40s, they were the primary pig in Europe, numbers-wise. That went all the way down to less than 200 known breeding animals in the 80s. Now we're back up over 5,000, but 
there were two guys who were like home chefs who went to a farm that had 50 mangalitsa that were scheduled to be butchered out of those 200, like 25% of all mangalitsa genetics, known mangalitsa genetics were at that farm. They purchased them, still had to butcher some because they'd never farmed before, had no idea what they were doing with these pigs, but saved some of them. But if those two guys hadn't done that, that would have been 25% of all known genetics gone right there. Sure. And who knows how many we would have now? Because there were, like I said, there were less than 200. Now we're at 5,000. So, Dang. Yeah. 5,000 known. Like there's definitely more than that, but like that's what's in the in the different breed books as gotcha. far as I know. Okay. Um, what have you tried that worked well? So the the solid solid, solid fence. Um, well. Yep. Do you know? Do you know? Sorry uh, to interrupt. Do you know Jordan Green? He's a pig farmer down in Virginia. No. Um, I I interviewed him a couple months back, and he's got like acres upon acres, and like through even through the woods, he's using uh-huh. the solid fence. Um, yeah. You know, and so like it's just it's just the way to go. Yes. I mean, absolutely. it's not cheap whatsoever, but. You're wasting a lot of time chasing pigs otherwise so right and paying other people for damage to their land um so the other thing is pigs are really destructive um i said that before about eating stuff but all their big muscles like you think about the loins like those are the biggest muscles on the pig that they actually use uh, mangalites are heavy rooters so they stick their nose in the ground they turn the soil upside down looking for grubs or whatever they're not an Idaho pasture pig looking to just graze. I mean, they will eat green stuff, but then they're going to dig. True. Um, so you you have to be rotating them pretty heavily. If you keep them on the same plot, they're just going to tear it up. Um, now I've heard, I haven't tried this, but I've heard that because all their muscles are up there, if you have a pig that you can't get to go somewhere, if you take a scoop shovel, you know, one of those real wide flat ones, and you can get it underneath their jowls and get their head in the air, you can back them wherever you want because they have... <laughs> They don't have any muscles to pull the head down, but that's what an old farmer around here told me that used to have pigs, but we have not put it to test yet. Take a, take an old grain shovel and lift up their head. That's kind of funny. Yeah. So other, other, other trick that I was told by a different old farmer was if a sow was being really nervous and getting up and checking her piglets every time she pigs, crack a bottle of beer, pour it in her water dish. She'll drink the whole thing, pass all the piglets out and then get up and check them instead of every time. Because if you get up and check every time, they have a greater risk of laying on the piglets. Oh, sure. So you want I them all see. out and they're all together and then she'll lay next to them rather than if she, you know, one crawls around looking for mom, then she'll lay on it. Hmm. So, Man, there's, um, that's interesting. I saw this, I saw this farrowing pen being built mm-hmm. and they had like a special kind of like, place for like the sow to lay and yep. she couldn't and they had like special like reinforcements so she can't roll over onto her piglets when the piglets are feeding. Right. so it gets worse the older the sow is because they're bigger and they're less mobile mm. but typically what they're they're always going to lay on some piglets but typically what happens is especially if they're younger they hear the squeal and they're able to get up quick well some of the bigger ones they just plop onto their side because they normally lay on their stomachs they're not side sure. layers. So then when they plop onto their side, you hear a quick squeak and it's underneath them. Oh, man. And there's no sound. She doesn't really feel it. Right? So they just lay there. Um, what, they're like 300 pounds? 
up. There, there's some big girls. Um, especially cause pigs never stop growing either. Um, if you're feeding them, that's where you see those giant hogs. If you keep feeding them, they will keep growing. So you have to ration, uh, once they're above market weight. Like if you're doing sows, boars, you ration feed them no more because otherwise they'll keep growing. And they'll also have trouble picking if they're too fat. So. Dang. Yeah. And then you have to up the feed when they have piglets because now they're producing, you know, quite a bit more. I mean, you up it when they're pregnant near the end, but you can't up it too much. Otherwise they'll get fat and then you'll run into issues. So, yeah. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Um, before we went there, what was the, what have you tried that worked well? Um, to circle back. <laughs> definitely separate when they're pigging. Um, especially if there's other piglets in the pen, because if they're going to pig and have little piglets, the other one, the older piglets are going to come over and they're going to beat on the little piglets to steal the mom's milk. And then you're going to lose the little piglets. So separate if possible for the moms, especially if you have other piglets in there, definitely coordinate your breeding times. We pull the boar out and we put them back in. So we know that they're hopefully all going to be born at the same time. Problem is we, we bought some pigs and brought them in and then we're like, well, they were with the boar. We don't know when they're breeding. And then you get piglets of all different ages. Always keep them the same age if possible because then they're also going to beat on each other less because pigs will just beat on each other till one dies if it's weak. Sure. You know, if, it gets, if, if a pig gets stuck in the mud, they will just beat on it till it dies. Dang, man. So you got to get out there and get it out of the mud, put it separate, get it strong enough to go back. Or if you're too late, you're too late. So um, definitely do that. Um, the other thing is, I mean, if you're small and you just want a couple, don't bother farrowing. If you can find someone you trust around you that you can just buy piglets from every year. Like we did that for a little bit before we were selling at volume and where it was nice. We just couldn't supply the same quality and consistency and quantity that we needed to for what we were looking at. But like, if you don't have to have a boar on your farm and you can get away with it, absolutely they just complicate things because they will also try and climb fences to get to a female in heat gotcha um they plus they just like they just consume feed like right just non-stop i mean they're right. they're huge and yeah other than breeding they don't they're not being nope. unless you put them to work digging and root like rooting and stuff but yeah that you can try and root up a garden, but, uh, you know, it's pretty much a one purpose for that boar. Right. That's his job. Gotcha. Make babies. What have you tried that failed or didn't work well? Um, use those woods I talked about. If you just use cheap wood, they will chew it up and tear it apart. We have definitely built structures for them that they tore apart. Um, it also, we, we use, um, energy-free waters, mirror founts that have like a four foot, a four inch tube that goes four inch feet down into the, into the ground. And then the water pipe comes up through the middle. So that way it's geothermal heated during the winter. So we don't use any electricity to keep it open. Um, but if you install them wrong, they will freeze absolutely terrible. And then you're hauling winter, hauling water every day in the winter, make sure you install them right. If you're going to get those. And we highly recommend those ones, uh, cause hauling water every day to pigs, 
um, outdoors when you have multiple pens is not fun. What are they uh, called? Mira Fount Waters, energy free. Okay, I was just making a note here. Because um, we have, there's a place in town here, I've mentioned it uh, on the show before. They call them a geo drinkers, G E O. Um, they make them it's uh it, it it sounds like the same concept it's geothermal no no electrical so yeah they're fantastic if you can get one um they're like eight or nine hundred bucks i think to get one yeah we know what these are 600 okay nice Plus installation which we typically do ourselves but right yeah they're not cheap but they're definitely worth it when you're hauling right. water every day in the in the winter so or hauling water every day in the summer. It's also not fun if you're moving them around on pasture. Yeah. Um, what has been the biggest challenge in farming that you've faced? Supply demand curves. Bringing, right, you can, it's easy to bring meat to the market. Timing that with when people want it, but also we're braising a, a meat that's a lot higher quality and also a lot more costly than most people are used to. Mm -hmm. So when the, you know, at the farmer's market, we have people just walk by and they look at a price and like, and walk on by. And I'm like, I mean, in my mind, it's closer to beef and it's technically cheaper than beef. When you look at a pork chop compared to a ribeye or, or pork burger compared to ground beef, I'm like technically cheaper, but you're comparing it to pork, which is that. And then we have all these customers we sell out and then you're like, great sold out. That's the idea. But then you, don't have any pigs for another three months because, well, you didn't have any born two years ago for another three months. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, when your product, I mean, if, if you want to get in, we sell online. And if you want, want to get into the hardest possible online business of raising an animal for two years, butchering it, it takes a month to get back from the butcher. So you have to predict exactly what people are going to want a month later and then ship it all to them frozen within a two day window. Um, definitely go for it definitely one of the um we just took a full dive in um maybe should have done a little more research before we decided that's what we we're going to do because uh there's a lot of logistical things that make it difficult uh, like if you get the pig on the farm though and you can keep them fed and watered they're going to grow they're going to do fine um if you start getting into numbers like ours you'll have some that just randomly up and die for no good reason and you don't know why but I was going to ask you about the selling online, like just that, that sounds, cause that's not common. That's not very common at all. Cause you're like one, uh, you're crossing state lines. Right. Um, is that, is that the biggest pain in the ass? Is that the part that it's like. They're crossing state lines. Well, all of yeah. ours is USDA inspected. So we drive two hours and 45 minutes each way for the butcher. Um, they're also the only butcher who's ever done exactly what we want all the time. Huh. I guess that's worth the two hours and 45 minutes. One way. Some crappy grinds, you know, they let, they let the meat get warm and their, their adult blades were dull. And we sold it to a chef and he was like, well, the meat's a 10 out of 10, but the grind's a six out of 10. So your meat's a seven because it's mushy because they ground it wrong. Like, so I can't take these pigs, which are a good chunk of change and have them mess up the butcher because then they cost me or a guy, a butcher who threw away, $3,000 worth of fat. Right. I'm like that, that was $3,000 you cost me, but you know, 
I'm not even paying you that much to butcher my hogs. And he's clearly not just going to write me a check for that. So it's like, well, we just move on to a different butcher. Damn. Never come back. So, so when you say he threw away $3,000 worth of fat, um, how did he do that? He texted me and said, your fat's ready. And I was like, okay, I'll come pick it up. And I came to pick it up and there was 10 pounds of fat. The rest he had thrown away the day before. So like what he just like, like he's just separated the fat from. It was back fat. Okay. And he had just bagged it because we were going to take it and make lard with it. And he just threw it away. Wow. Yeah. They don't, they don't butcher shop anymore. Like clearly I, I mean, did he, Hmm. Well, he's not your butcher anymore, so I guess it doesn't really matter what what he's thinking. Anymore. They sold the shop, so hmm. Hmm. yeah. But stuff like that. So yeah, that and then, I mean, shipping is expensive. We have to we we pack it all Monday night after work, drive it forty five minutes to a UPS drop station, drop it off right before their trucks go out packed with dry ice and gel packs and it's all in styrofoam coolers which are not cheap and it's also after work so yeah dang it's a lot of stuff goes into it i think after the show um after after we wrap up here i'm gonna go through i'll probably do like maybe like a little recording of like going through your uh product page or whatever on your website and just because um I, I remember when I first looked first looked you up, I went through your page and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I could buy meat online. That's awesome. Because uh, if I can go directly to the farmer instead of like butcher box, like that would be sweet. Right. Um, but I that was whenever whenever we set this up, like yeah. a, month, a month ago or something. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. thing that butcher shop has an advantage on is I can I can ground ship to, you know, states within a certain radius because we're in Iowa. So I can ground ship Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, sometimes even like Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. But if I'm going to Texas, I have to two-day air. If mm-hmm. I'm to California, I have to two-day air. But a California four-day ship to Los Angeles is four days. A Texas ground ship is three days, which means that two-day to, Cal- to Los Angeles costs me even more money than the two-day to Texas just because where I'm at, New York, Maine, Key West, like Southern Florida, and then Los Angeles are four-day grounds. So they're pricier. Whereas ButcherBox, if you have a shipping West Coast, Southeast, Northeast, right? They can ground ship everywhere. Right. Way cheaper to ground ship. You know, it's like 70 bucks if I want to send something to Los Angeles. But then, so then people go on butcher box and they're like, well, their shipping is way cheaper. I'm like, well, yeah. Cause they're shipping from three hours away. No matter Multiple where locations. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, it's no different than Amazon. Like exactly. how does Amazon get to your, can get to your house every, like pretty much everywhere in two days uh, because they're everywhere. So. Right. So we don't have that advantage, which is another complication of we're shipping everything from right here. We're picking up at the butcher, putting it in our freezer packing it in boxes and shipping it out. So, yeah. I think it's going to take a lot of time to 
get the consumer over the mentality of like best deal. Right. It's like, one, is this what I want? Do I want high quality pork? Yes, I do. Do I um, want to support small farmers? Yes, I do. Do I mind paying more for that high quality pork from small farmers? Not, well, not really. Like we need to get there. We need to get to that that last stage. The other thing is, I if you try and buy mangalites online from other places, ours is actually cheaper too than theirs. Hmm. Right. I look, you know, I look at our some of our competitors, some other um, larger farm shipping, and I'm like, we're over here raising mangalitsa and shipping for X amount, and then you're raising a Burke Tamworth cross, and your price is higher. But a Burke Tamworth cross is going to grow to the same size as mangalitsa, but it's going to get there in 10 months compared to 24 months. Hmm. So it's like technically, if you depending on where you look, it's not even more expensive. Butcher box definitely, but it's quality, it's quality difference. So like the, but there's avenues where we look and we're like, well, they're clearly you know doing a good job at this and selling more than we are. So there's no reason we can't sell more because their prices are higher than ours, but our product is better. So hmm. how is it that you can uh, have the lower price? Like, what is it that you do? I think they have slightly better marketing than us. So the mm. people that we look at, it's like they're 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 sharing their entire life and family story on their Instagram. Uh, so people are buying that and getting sure. them, right. And they have amassed, um, you know, done it for a long time and amassed quite a following of, you know, hundred. If you have a hundred thousand followers following your life on Instagram and you're selling meat as a product of that life people are are very become very invested in that but you know that if you look at all the big instagram farms almost all of them are the life first and then the meats like secondary like you know someone presenting daily life on instagram and that's what gets people in but we're not necessarily looking to draw people into our daily lives like that but we still want to be able to bring them really good meat so um it's a it's a line we tow every day when we're looking at yep. that of how much do we draw them in without going too far but also give them kind of what they want and an understanding of what it is we do and who we are in order to get this product to them yeah like i miss the good old days of just being able to sell a pig and that's all people wanted like they don't need to know like keenan you know his he plays the guitar and he you know blah, like all this whole like whatever your, your whole story like uh it, you know some people like the privacy and you kind of come off as like the I, I i'm a private person yeah so you come I mean, off that way so we're, we're definitely willing to share what we're doing on the farm but like outside of that our lives beyond that like that's that's our business we'll share some of it well if you come here and talk to us yeah absolutely i'm not gonna you know shy away from things but like just spitting it out there on instagram it's like no that's not that's not what we're here for Right. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be frustrating as hell. Like seriously, this is what I'm getting beat by (laughs) Instagrammers that have a farm and like, ah, that's gotta be frustrating. Yeah. 
I mean, there's there's lots of things to it, but I mean, we're happy with where we're at. We're, we're growing all the time, which is what we want. And the other thing is we see a lot more repeat customers of people buy it and they're like, dang, this is good. And they come back and buy more. Like that that tells us all we need to know right there. When you see a second order from someone and it's bigger than the first one, and then you see a third and it's bigger than the second one. You're like, okay, right. they're, they're coming back for more. That's That's good. But once they try it, it's hard not to. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I got two more questions. Yeah. Let's hit them. Um, I already forgot one of them. (laughs) (laughs) What would you tell people that want to get started? Facilities first, (laughs) get a pen, get water, then buy some pigs, right? Simple, but uh, definitely get the facilities first. We have definitely bought more pigs than we had room for at one point. And then we're struggling to, you know, where do we put these pigs? Um, we actually had a guy kind of going out of business, called me up. He was like, Hey, I've got some pigs. Do you want them? Here's the price. I was like, dang, that's a steal. I will take those sows. Uh, let me figure something out by the end of the month. And he showed up the next week with them on a trailer while I was at work. It was like, where do I put them? Um, so, but, that's- <laughs> but figure out your pen. Good fence. If you have good fence, a water and you can, you know, you can get them keep the water open in the winter, just, just go buy some. And if, if you get tired of them and they're not as big as you want them to be before winter, like you can butcher them early. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not like you're selling them to someone and they're going to be disappointed. You're just doing it for yourself to butcher the meat. Like do it. Definitely give the home butcher a shot once too. I enjoy it. It's fun. I just don't have time for it as much as I'd like. We did two hogs last year and they were 420 pounders. They were big boys. So we uh, we had a lot of meat from that. Had some friends. What do you over. do? You scald in like a fifty-five gallon barrel, kind of to get the hair we, off. We scalded one. We tried to hog roast it by burying it in the ground. Didn't get it hot enough. It turned sour. The other ones oh, we just skins because a four hundred pound hog, like we didn't. It would take bigger than a fifty-five gallon drum. We couldn't even fit a third of that thing in there. Um, so, but no, That's the so one we scalded, we actually power washed and then took a weed burner and like scalded it with a weed burner to take the skin off and then scraped and then power washed, you know, just rotated between the three. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. So yeah. And if you can go with a, go with, go with more of a heritage, go with a, a Burke, a Tam, a red waddle, red waddles are, are good too. I would buy those over Burke or the Tam. Tams are heavy diggers too. Large blacks are good. Like, you can buy a coon coon. They're going to grade out smaller. They're going to eat more grass, so they'll get you more likes on Instagram because they're short and funny looking. That is but, true. That uh, that Jordan Green guy at the, yeah. the end of the interview, I'm like, what's your opinion on cooney coonies? And he's like, it's a pyramid scheme. Don't buy them. <laughs> Anyone who has a cooney coonie is only trying to sell cooney coonies. And uh, yeah. once you're in it, you're trying to get out or something. Right, because they're, they're going to grade out a bunch of meat. It's it's good meat if you're doing it for yourself, like yeah, and you don't mind having two small small things. They're homesteader pig. That's it. Yeah. Not yep. as good as the American guinea hog. That's the true American homestead pig. Developed in the deep south by people's backyards. But also make sure if you're going to buy one of those off Craigslist, it is a guinea hog, not a guinea pig. <laughs> be disappointed drove two hours because he saw him on on sale on craigslist for 25 dollars. showed up lady brought a bucket out full of guinea pigs and he was like i thought these were guinea hogs nope 
So wait, uh, that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. The same guy who dropped off the pigs for us that happened. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's kind yeah. of funny. So now no, I'll have to I'll have to buy guinea pigs and like bring them to the groomer so that they make they look like guinea hogs uh, somehow some which way and they're just like look they're cute and uh, teach them how to oink or something I don't know do it for the Instagram likes there you go um the other question was are you guys trying to scale up at all or are you happy with the size that you're at. We're in the process. Of, we have been scaling up for the past couple of years. Um, we we went from two sows to anywhere between seven to nine because we phase them in, phase them out as mm-hmm. they're getting older and younger. Um, so with our current amount of land, we are happy with how many we have. Um, but if our market expands and we're able to purchase more land, we might. Not saying yes, not saying no. We kind of make a judgment call when we got to that situation, but we are not currently in that situation. Gotcha. But we would love to have more land and be able to do more things with it. Yeah. You know, but that involves uh, more time that we don't have. So right. the problem with doing all these things on top of work is it's all, what can I fit in and what can I fit in where um, with the goal that maybe one day you can do it as work. So. Gotcha. Well, Hey man, um, let's, let's plug your stuff. You have your website, acorn bluff, farms.com yes sir and you are on twitter at acorn bluff farms correct and My personal one is also on twitter um it's weird i don't even remember what the username is like k underscore three underscore and it's, <laughs> it's it's findable because I, I i interact a little with our farm account um sharing stuff and trying to get some some likes we, we we do have the instagram as well also acorn bluff farms which um is actually run by my wife so has a little bit different content than we're putting on the twitter um a little bit more focused on the cute pigs and their cuteness which is you know not what i'm in it for i'm in it for the meat but she loves it so. right look at this cute cut of pork oh man look yeah. at that it's so cute so yeah and we are uh if if people in the area of the iowa city area we're doing our farm party this year we just announced that next month smoking up a bunch of pork shoulder making german potato salad apple slaw homemade apple crisp or peach cobbler and gonna have a great great dinner and and night talking about pigs so dang that sounds pretty awesome like uh i'm kind of thinking how i've got some uh delta miles how do i fly into fly in for that that sounds cool yeah, it's a great time. We had about 70 people there last year, and it was a really good time. So. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you being here, and uh, thank you for your time. Been a lot of yeah, fun. Man. I learned a lot about pigs today. Yeah, give it a shot and buy some. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll, I got to talk to my wife. Like, can, I, can I buy some internet meat, internet pig meat? <laughs> it's good stuff. It is. It is. Yep, yep. So, well, hey, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I just wanted to share Acorn Bluff's website. So we go to their website, acornblufffarms.com. So a window pops up. You can get 10% off your first order. That's pretty good, especially when you build out your cart like I did. Um, just uh, just testing that, just testing it out. So if you close that, 
and you go to order now, go to all products, and you get all these different all these different options. There's ton ton to choose from. So one thing I noticed, just just for those out there, because uh, we talked about shipping today. I did like one thing of sausage for like 18 bucks and it was like $67 shipping just for the one item. Makes sense. He said he had to put it in a separate from cooler and freeze dry it. But if you uh, add a bunch of information, like I put in sausage patties and I put in sausage links and bacon and shoulder roast and boar sausage and a quarterly subscription for a subtotal of 337 well the shipping's still 67 dollars so don't do like one thing of bacon go ahead and load up your cart like what if you were to go to the store what would you want to buy you'd want to buy all this stuff uh buy 10 sausage patties buy five things of bacon or 100 whatever um that's that's just just to don't, don't get like sticker shock or whatever on on shipping um, you're not going to get a $50 shoulder roast and still pay $67 worth of shipping. You should, you should add more stuff to your cart. Um, so I just wanted to, to clear that up, uh, for anyone, anyone interested. And this probably applies to just buying meat from, uh, like online from small farms in general. So. Fantastic talk with Keenan. I learned so much about the Mangalitsas and general pig farm operating tips. Thanks for watching, everyone. Leave a comment, like, subscribe, and most importantly, share this video. You can check us out on Fountain FM podcast player or, you know, a lesser podcast player. That's fine. Uh, you should check out Fountain FM, though. Uh, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty slick. And if you like getting paid in Satoshis uh, just to listen to podcasts that you're already listening to, cool. And if you, it's a cool way to tip, uh, the content creators as well. Like, Hey, I like your podcast. Here's a, th here's a thousand sats. I uh, did that a couple of times already this week. Uh, you can check farmhoplife.com, sign up for an email list, or telegram channel there to be notified when new videos, interviews, and podcasts are available. We are on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Mewe, and float. Email me anytime, Matt at farmhoplife.com. We have our 20 by 23 project. We're going to visit 20 homesteads in the year 2023. Um, you can go, uh, to farmhoplife.com slash 20x23 to learn more about that. And I'm always looking for more people to interview. If you want to come on to talk about homesteading, farming, food security, homeschooling, regenerative agriculture, alternative building methods, or pitch me an idea, go to farmhoplife.com slash guest. Go feed yourself. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. for Montana left family and friends all I got now is you we both got new jobs a host and a homestead thinking this was the life all that there'd be after our firstborn you had to stay home that's when the work got in the way for me well, I started Farm Hop Life. They'll come to your farm to help and to wander. Me and the family, a truck and an RV, 
send us a message and